0: what's up and welcome to another episode of the grind line podcast you're listening to episode 236 i am here tonight with ryan we are going to do some roster war projections but oh, how are you boy. doing tonight ryan yeah well, oh boy's right because it's uh it's getting people are getting angry online about it already but how are you
1: oh I'll, I'll ask why here in a minute but i'm good Softball season has officially come to an end. Well, let me say the summer, spring, summer season has officially come to an end. Was down at Columbus and from Wednesday to Sunday playing down there at a World Series. It was a good time. Got a lot of sun and a lot of alcohol on top of some 10 year old softball. It was good times. Did they win? Uh, They finished in the top eight out of 60.
0: That's good. That's like really high up there. That's a, it's a proud dad moment, right? Yeah.
1: So I don't know. I mean, we we lost in what? That'd be the quarters to the eventual team that ended up winning it all. So
0: Oh, no, I'm take sorry. That they loss lost in the day. championship.
1: They lost in the championship.
0: You back still take that errors loss. back and, they,
1: and they, they lost
0: it. Ugh, that's, a, that's a shit way to lose. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I am drinking, and in case you haven't had it yet, Old Nation has a new one called World. Uh, Tart Strawberry Rhubarb, and it is phenomenal. It is so good. Um, But to answer your question about why people are mad, people are mad about predictions. Um, They don't like them. They think they're stupid. If their team is not great in them, they think the prediction is stupid and that it's not really worth anything, and they laugh it off. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about it because we had mentioned it on a previous episode, the JFresh War Roster Builder. We were begging him to release it. He finally released the beta of it. Some people are missing like their team logo and stuff, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't affect anything happens all the time. Sure. People just miss their logos, but I have pulled all the teams in our division. We're going to go over them one by one, uh, kind of figure out if we think it's a little high or a little low as far as the projection goes. And I think Jay Fresh himself had said that the closest projection last year was still off by like eight points or something like that. And and not just his projections, not just his projection, just like, Every projection made of like the major outlets that do projections wore off by like eight points. And I mean, mean, you look at
1: these. These are all best case scenario. Like no one's getting hurt. Your top players are there. It's like an NHL 23 roster where you turn the injuries off.
0: Yeah, it's like if we would have had all of our players healthy playing for the entire year, we were projected at like 100 points last yeah. year or something and then we lost robbie fabry we lost bertuzzi for a long time Verona. we lost Vrana the entire season so it's it's this is all best case pie in the sky scenarios that uh, it's like things you dream of but it's the same yeah. case for every team that's what it is it's not just if all of our people are healthy it is also if all the bruins are healthy if all the maple Leafs are healthy if all the Sens are healthy it doesn't happen it never happens so Take these with a grain of salt, just that injuries happen. Guys do overperform, guys underperform. So it'll it'll go back and forth. And if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're not, you should be. We have a fancy new layout that will show you what we're looking at on the screen. It'll show you the projected war of each line, the offensive and defensive war of each line. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to see all that fun stuff. I put the topics up. It's going to be a great time. So Is we'll it going to have it?
1: the description of what it is, that war
0: means, and things of that nature by chance? It can, Ryan. I can make Ooh. all your dreams come true. So I can put up uh, the JFresh. JFresh does a uh, kind of explainer of his cards and, and what the stuff means. So I can put up the little explainer underneath the war I'm chart. Do, of, that'd be huge. Of what it means. I will do that. Just just for you, the listener, I will do that. So we're going to start off with the Red Wings. And I took these lines, not the Red Wings lines, but all the other ones. I took straight from Daily Faceoff. So Daily Faceoff updated their lines the 31st of July on what they predict the lines for the team to be. I changed ours. I don't like what Daily Faceoff had our lines as. It wasn't super balanced. I changed it and actually upped our points by a little bit. So we're going to start. Top line of... Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Larkin, David Perron. That line has a projected war of 5.5, uh, an offense of 5, a defense of negative 0.2, not too worried about things that are slightly below. Second line of Andrew Copp, JT Comfer, Lucas Raymond. That line has a projected war of 2 with an offense of 1.6 and a defense of negative 0.1. A third line of Clem Kostin, Michael Rasmussen, and Daniel Sprong with a projected war of 3.3 and an offense of 3.3, defense of negative 0.2. And a fourth line of Christian Fisher, Robbie Fabry, Yonatan Berggren with a projected war of 0.2, offense 0.4, defense negative 0.3 for a total forward war of 11, meaning wins above replacement for the forwards at 11. Our defense... Top pair of Jake Wallman and Moritz Seider with a projected war of 3.1. Uh, Shane Gosses bear and Justin Hole as the second pair with a projected war of 1.2. Oli Mata and Ben Sherratt as the third pair with a projected war of negative one. If you put, if you put Probably Ben Sherratt on like a negative 12. If you put Gustav Lindstrom in there instead of Ben Sherat, it goes up. Uh, it really? If you take Oh, yeah. If you take Ben That's Sherrod right. out and you reshuffle it the way I would when Edvinson comes in, where it's Wallman, Cider, Edvinson, uh, Ghost, Ho- uh, Mata, and Hole, it goes up even more. So Ben Sherrod is literally the anchor weighing down everything there. Uh, but the defense has a positive war of 3.3. 3.
1: Gain three points in an almost full point on defense war. <laughs> See?
0: See, I told you. Good it's Lord. it's Literally, it's the Ben Sherrod effect, but... As it stands right now and where I have the pairings, the defensive war is a 3.3, which is much better than it was last season. Uh, and then Billy Huso gets a projected war of 1.1. James Reimer gets a 1.1 for a goalie war of 2.2. The thing I don't like about it is it says that our power plays war is 4.6, which is good. That's a solid power play. It says the PK is a negative 0.6. I don't agree with that because I feel like we picked up a lot of people who are more defensively responsible, especially in a penalty killer like Christian Fisher.
1: Maybe it's because like a Sprong and a debrinket. But I wouldn't put them on the PK. Right. I'm just saying, but it's looking at cumulative. It's not looking at particular people on the PK. So those that are shitty defensively are going to drag that down a
0: lot. Sure, because it doesn't let you pick your power play and it doesn't let you pick your penalty kill. So, JFresh, if you're listening, um, make that happen. Let's get a (laughs) special teams war builder. Get the cap-friendly
1: setup going on the JFresh page?
0: Well, it'd be like just a special teams war builder, right? You would just have to have a little section where it's like special teams and you could set your power play and your penalty kill there and it could affect the total, I guess. So that leaves the Detroit Red Wings at a projected 2023-24 point total of 97, which is... A substantial bump. And you're looking at it as all four lines of your forward group have a positive war, which is what you want, which is what Ryan would refer to as the Vegas effect, right, Ryan? Yeah. Where all your lines are balanced. You've got scoring throughout the lines. You've got guys you can shuffle around. You're deep. You're what you call a deep team. There may not be one guy who is super amazing but you've got a few guys that contribute at a high level, like a Debrinket, like a Larkin, what we assume Raymond will do. You've got your secondary guys in David Perron, JT Comfer, Andrew Kopp. Maybe Michael Rasmussen bumps it up. Bear should also take another step. But your guys who you consider bottom six, like right now, Robbie Fabry, a Daniel Sprung, a Klim Costin, they're still either A, really good finishers, B, really good defensively, or C can be slotted up into the top six and not affect your lineup. So it's having a deep team of a bunch of guys who are responsible or high, high offense talents defense. I can't even say like, like defense is much better than it was last season. I mean, it's not, it should be, I mean, on paper, it's much better than it was last season. And that's not even a question. So what are your thoughts on 97 points? Now this, again, is if everyone stays healthy and plays the entire season. It's 97 points.
1: I mean, I think it's feasible if, I mean, it's yes, it's best case scenario. But when you look at this team potentially being a team that can knock on the door to the playoffs, they've got to be there. So if they're not, then that's reason to be upset and they're coming in it. 80 to 90 roughly and outside looking in again we'll see i think i think that that's a legit thing to to look at it's going to be interesting to see how things play out with ottawa who i know you have dropped in here uh, and what way that could you know what the way the quickie crumbles if you will
0: oh the dreamers will be next oh but
1: it's to me it should be 90 point is the bar for detroit this season because that means they're competing into the final couple of weeks of the season, which is by and large a huge improvement. Are they knocking the door down to get in? Probably not.
0: Cause what, Florida got in with ninety four last last season. Is that what they hit? I believe it was ninety four. So if you're ninety seven, then you're in the playoffs. Florida got in with
1: ninety two
0: okay, ninety two. That's even better. So yeah. if you even get close to that ninety seven, so you get in. got
1: in with ninety three.
0: okay. Yeah, and and I think the wings, and again, I think we probably would have won a handful more games with a healthy Bertuzzi and Verona all season. Mm -hmm. So I think 97 with the depth, with the new additions, with what special teams is shaping up to look like, I don't think that's an insane, an insane point total. And I mean, we may, what you hope to is land closer to 94, as close to 94 as possible is what I'm hoping to get to. So if you get to 97, I think you're on the right track and and I think it, again if everyone stays healthy that might be doable. I mean, Robbie Fabry's knees are made out of plastic. So, that's one thing yeah. you got to look out for. So, we're going to move on to the Dreamers, who I call the Dreamers now because man, they they just what they have is so awesome and amazing and every line is just stellar and they called themselves Vegas today. Someone said, "Like we're exactly like Vegas." So we're going to take a look at the Ottawa Senators roster and what they project out to. So a top line, and they have a good top line now, especially with Tarasenko. If, if
1: healthy, this could be a very good line.
0: Sure. I mean, yes, to a point. So here's what I'm going to look at. Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Vladimir Tarasenko. And the problem I have with this line, it's got a projected war of 4.4 with an offensive five. Fantastic. Its defense is a negative 1.9. Tarasenko awful defensively Stutzla like has been most russians
1: and that sounds yeah. pretty
0: much well, has been okay uh kachuk is okay bad to okay defensively so that's where they're they're really going to screw themselves on a top if that's their top line they're screwed on defense they better net a million goals because they're going to let in quite a few
1: you got to think that maybe Stutzla will take a step on defensively i mean he he has to really i mean if you're going to be Top line center, you'll, you'll, you're you're going to have that responsibility.
0: But does Stutzla make up for everything else? That's the question. can he alone? Was defense-
1: that bad defensively?
0: Yeah, Ryan. Yes, he that was. Bad. Oh my God, he has an EV defense of one. So your even a Tim Stutzla by himself is not going to make up for the defensive shortcomings of Tarasenko and Kachuk. That's why Tarasenko that line- was seven. Yeah, that's why that top line's defensive war is a negative 1.9. It's really bad. Wow. So. Things I was not expecting. No, no. A second line of Claude Giroux, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson with a projected war of 6.4. Offensive 4.9, defense of 0. 0.5. A third line of Ridley Grieg, Shane Pinto, and Dominic Kubalik with a projected war of negative 0. 0.2. That is a negative 0.3 on offense and a zero on defense. And a fourth line of Matthew Joseph, Mark Kastelik, and Zach McEwen with a projected war of zero, an offense of 0.1, and a defense of negative 0.1. And I've been told that that's not going to be their fourth line, that it's going to include some guy I've never heard of from the SHL and a dude who's played in Belleville for three seasons. Great. Fantastic. Throw those guys in there. Your point totals the same. Uh, Defense of Thomas Chabat, Jakub Chikrin with a projected war of 1.6, offense 1.9, defense negative 0.4, because they're offensive defensemen. That's why. You're going to get a negative defensive war on that pairing. A second pair of Jake Sanderson and Artem Zub with a projected war of 0.1, offense of negative 0.6, defense of 0.9. Neither of them are super offensive. And a bottom pair of Eric Brandstrom and Travis Hamanick, with a projected war of 0.5, offense 0.8, defense negative 0.3, for a defensive total war of 2.2. Oh, their offensive total war was 10.5. So again, not fantastic. And then you look at goaltending in Jonas Corposalo, who gets you a projected war of 0.2, and Anton Forsberg, who gets you a 1.5. Corpy is who you got to really hope pulls through for you on that team. You got to hope you get just lights out Jonas Corpus or you're going to have a really bad time. And yeah, it's not yeah.
1: great. I, I've always liked Corpy, especially when he's in Columbus and he was just dealt a horrible hand with the team that was in front of him. I thought he would pop off in LA and stick there because of what they're building out. But I, so I was surprised to see him actually leave. But it, I mean, I feel like it's a starting job for him to lose unless they're just going to go whoever's they're going to ride the hot hand which would almost make the most sense I would think right
0: yeah i mean if you look at corposalo he is 29 years old last season in la he played 11 games had a 213 goals against and a 921 save and in columbus he played 28 games had a 313 goals against and a 913 save so his numbers last season i mean even combined were good but if you look at the season before that in columbus he played 22 had a 4-1-5 goals against and an 877 save. The year before that, he had a 3-3-0 goals against and an 8-9-4 save. Or yeah, an 8-9-4 save. So you're hoping that he keeps riding that. He just keeps getting better. You hope that last season wasn't a fluke and that he can repeat that. But if he goes backwards, so do your points in the standing. I mean, right now yep. with their current lineup and the the lines pulled right from daily face-off, their projected points in the standings is 88. That's almost a full 10. That's nine points less than the Red Wings are projected to get. And I think that is probably a little low because if you get a full, again, a full year of Josh Norris and his stats last year aren't going to be fantastic because he didn't play a ton. And you, you hope you get good dominant Kubelik and you hope Tarasenko plays all season. There's just it seems like there's a lot of hope. Same with Chikrin. You hope Chikrin plays all season.
1: I mean, I, that's the hope that we have with I mean, If they if they get a full season of Kubelik and not one that was streaky like we dealt with, then it's possible they could he could win them some games. If they get a healthy Tarasenko, he can win them some games. But. That's the same if that we're going to play with Detroit. Are we going to have a healthy Larkin? You got to think so. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, is he going to be playing through injury? Or is he going to be actually healthy for a full season? Are we going to have depth guys be healthy? Raz, Fabry, so on and so forth. Like, it's the big if on every single team. It's not going to happen. If it does, it's great. But the point I was going to make earlier is when you look at that top line, Stutzla. Was forty one and a half percent in the faceoff draw last year? Yeah, two hundred two for 284. and Kachuk was three seventy to three ninety five at forty eight four. So, what was do Batherson's? you have to change that
0: lineup? What's that? What was Bathor? Did Batherson or Giroux take draws?
1: Batherson took a total of thirty eight. Giroux took a lot, and he had a 58% draw. He had 712 wins and 509 losses. So maybe do you split up? Do you put Kachuk between, or put Giroux between Kachuk and Stutzla?
0: I think what they were talking about doing was sliding Kachuk down a line and to wing on the second line, and moving Giroux up because Giroux's got to take faceoffs on that top line because your other guys yeah. suck at taking faceoffs.
1: Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, are you putting, because Stutzla averaged 21-16 a night uh, ice time last year. Uh, their next highest wing was Debrinket at 19, followed by Giroux at 18-48 and Kachuk at 18-38. So...
0: Yeah, they're going to have to do some shuffling, but even doing shuffling there, you're taking, I mean, that might actually help them too to move Giroux up to that top line, just swap Giroux and Kachuk. Because, again, Kachuk yeah. is horrible defensively, and you might make up some ground there by letting Giroux take the draws and moving Kachuk down because you add some defense to that top line with Giroux, too. But it still doesn't move you up and that's not a whole a bad 10 thing points. For,
1: for your top six, you're not—that's that's good, right?
0: Yeah. It's, again, that's flexibility. But they don't—what they don't have is that bottom six flexibility. Like their depth, they don't have depth. Like Dominic Kubelik was picked up hopefully to give them some depth. But there are you gotta people think that he's gonna
1: float through their lineup, right? Like he did with Detroit.
0: Maybe, but there are people projecting him to be a top line winger on that team. And it's that's not if Dominic Kubelik is your top line winger, your team has some issues. Like that's a big problem.
1: He did well in bursts in Detroit. I think that he'll do the same with the top six there in Ottawa. But if he's slotting on your third line, that's your best case scenario.
0: Yeah. And to to the people who are like, he's an elite goal scorer and finisher. I mean, elite, he's not, not elite. And he he does not drive play. He does not create for himself. The opportunities need to be placed in front of him on a silver platter for it to happen. He's not going to dangle around two guys and make a smart shot. No, he's going to blast it and hope it goes in and it will go in sometimes. But if you're banking on him to be a top line guy for you, that's it, you're again, you're projected at 88 points. And if it, even if you make that Kachuk for Giroux swap, it doesn't get you up 10 points. So what is it, does
1: it bump them up at all?
0: It A little bit. I think it might take him up by one or two, but it's not 10. So, again, mm. I think that the. And the Sens fans, there are a lot. Thank you to the Sens podcast who had me on. And they were a bunch of guys. Go- they're guys that get it, and they understand what's going on, and they know their team still has problems, and they were very nice, and it was a great conversation.
1: So it wasn't like what we've dealt with on Twitter?
0: No, because they even acknowledge the people on Twitter is absolutely insane. So uh, Sens fans, so, please stop turning into Toronto fans. Just don't do that. So it.
1: here's the question. Like, with Kubalik. Last year in Detroit, he shot 11.5%. The year before that, 9-3. Before that, a ten nine. 9 His rookie season, he shot at a 19% pace.
0: Which is not sustainable, really.
1: No, that was his 30-goal season. I mean, last year, shooting 11%, he still had 20 goals. So, I mean, your expectations got to be that, right? Hopefully that he gets to 12 to 13% and 20-25 goals. Is that a, that, to me, I think that's a win for if you're Ottawa.
0: If he gets 20 goals, it's a win for Ottawa. I think they're expecting him to basically replicate what Debrinket did. And it's it's hard oh. to say if he will or not, because you well, need to Debrinket see who's playing never wanted to with. be
1: there from the get-go, no. so hopefully he at least replicates 20.
0: Yeah, that would be the hope, I would say. So we're going to do one more before we uh, take a break. And do you want to do uh, another happy one or a maximum sadness?
1: I don't know which ones you'd be referring to, because uh, I'm assuming this. Let's do the sadness, if right. that's what I think you're doing.
0: Maximum sadness. So, with the departure of Patrice Bergeron and yeah, David Krejci, uh, the Boston Bruins were thought, man, this might be the year where they start to slide, because you know they're like they lost two of the guys who who were who were carrying them along, helping them out a lot, not carrying them as in putting the team on their back, but like. Bergeron's one of the best, was still one of the best defensive centers in the entire league, if not the best defensive center in the entire league. Krejci Mm -hmm. was helping them quite a bit, but I'm gonna run through their roster, and we can all just get sad together. So a top line of James Van Riemsdyk, Pavel Zacha, and David. Is this still based off
1: daily faceoff? I'm sorry. Yes.
0: Yeah, I pulled these today. Pulled them. Uh, Projected WAR of 6.6 with an offense of 6.4 and a defense of zero. Brad Marchand, Charlie Coyle, and Jake DeBrusque, a projected war of 4.6, offensive 4.2, a defensive negative 0.1. A third line of Jacob Lacco, Morgan Geeky, and Trent Frederick, a projected war of 1.8 with an offensive 1.7 and a defensive 0.1. A fourth line of Milan Lucic, Jesper Boquist, and A.J. Greer with a projected war of 0.2. Offense point 0.2, defense negative point 0.1 for a forward war of 13.2. Pasta is doing a ton of lift to this war. That is what he is doing there. I mean, if you take Pasta out and literally replace him with anyone else, they drop like a full five points. So Really? Yeah, it's not even close. So the defensive pairing of Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy with projected war of 2.5. Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo with a projected war of 1.9. And Derek Forbort and Kevin Shattenkirk with a negative 0.6. Signing Shattenkirk was uh, was very Confusing? mystifying to me. <laughs> I'm like, Kevin Shattenkirk. And they went and signed, like, Lucic, too. And he's older as well. Um, but their defensive war is a 3.7. Then you have Olmark and Swayman who just bumped them up even more with a 2.3 and a 1.3 for a projected standings points of 105. And I just hmm. I look at that and I go, well, I guess that's what, 25 less points than they had last season. So they'll at least lose some more games. But I'm like, I mean, it's sad. I just it's really sad to me that we're going to have to deal with the Bruins again, possibly do not the same thing they did last year, but still win the division.
1: I mean, you're literally going to have to bank on Olmark and Swayman having repeat seasons.
0: Both yeah, which I don't think is, is reasonable
1: to say percentage. Both sub two, three goals against with Olmark was a sub one nine at a one eight nine. So I mean maybe it's gonna be their defense. Is that what keeps them the float? If again the giant IF they're healthy, which the guys that they've got right now, I think have been pretty consistent in terms of that. So maybe they'll be okay. Shattenkirk would be the question mark, maybe. Wasn't McAvoy hurt last year, though, too?
0: Yeah. And you hope that Marchand and and he seemed fine last year that his hips hold out because he, again, also had like double hip surgery. So. I just don't think I can do another year of the Bruins fans just shoving in everyone's face that they're amazing and they don't have to rebuild and all that.
1: Well, hey, maybe they finish in the top six or whatever again and that makes it easy to get rid of that draft pick on the trade
0: if it lands inside yeah 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 so that's the uh conditional for the debrinket trade
1: yeah sorry that's yeah that's what i'm referring to
0: yeah so if they still make the playoffs in a high position yeah i think you absolutely send that pick to ottawa and you say here's pick number i don't know 28 or whatever so i think that yeah that would make your decision a lot easier there i just you look at it, and, and someone asked for it earlier, like what the projection is a Boston fan. And I sent it to them, and they go, Man, if we even get 100 points, I will be so happy. Because they look at their team and they go, Losing the people they lost. So losing, I heard, um, well, yeah, Felino, um, Taylor Hall. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you said Valeno. You said Felino. Oh, sorry. no.
1: Yeah, Nick Felino. Which, I mean, Felino, you can debate if that was impactful but taylor hall and bertuzzi yes
0: yeah absolutely impactful. wasn't
1: there for a full season but he had he led the team and they're tied with the lead of team in points he had 10 points in seven games tied with Marchand.
0: yeah and then losing two of their like veteran leaders i mean it's orlov's gone off the back end it's going to be tough i think still i yeah. think this if any projection. Crazy. Yeah. If any projection, I think, is going to be wildly inaccurate, I think it's going to be this one. And I think it's going to not be plus points, so they're not going to get 130 again. But I think it's going to be what's
1: minus. Not at, at the athletic posted one yet?
0: I haven't. No, I haven't looked in my athletic. You probably won't do
1: anything until it's closer to the season.
0: My athletic subscription uh, lapsed. So
1: Yeah, so did mine, unfortunately.
0: So I look at it and I say, I think the Bruins could get as low as 90. As high as maybe this 105, and that's what worries me about. It's the team Bruins. I think are going to be the team to watch the closest this season, just to see because they had such a historic season last year, to see what they do this year. Because it could be a historic difference in seasons <laughs> as well. So that'll be an interesting one to to keep an eye on. But we're going to take a quick break for word from DraftKings and from Raycon uh, before we come back to finish out the rest of the division in Tampa, Toronto, Montreal, and the Buffalo Sabres. We'll be right back in just a minute. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort, Kansas, in West Virginia, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, max bet $50, 10 plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to my Spotify playlists on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There is so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Right now, I'm just listening to podcasts on my walks downtown when I get lunch at work, and it's just really helping me keep my composure to get to that giant list of emails. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit and start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you can't really lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Grindline Podcast listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com thpn That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back. And after being depressed by the Boston Bruins, we are going to go to a happy place and just, I don't know. Can we call them a hockey team anymore? Like they're relegated. I'm okay not because it makes my cousin sad and it's wonderful. We just relegate them to the AHL. I wish the NHL had a relegation because the uh, Montreal Canadiens would absolutely be relegated to the AHL and their roster is just so bad. So I'm going to run through this one decently fast to get to their standings points because every line is bad. You've got Colt Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Kirby Dock as your top line. And if that tells you anything, it's that your team is absolutely missing the playoffs. They have a projected war of 2.8. Now their offense is good at a 3.1, but their defense is a negative one.
1: What was Doc playing in Chicago? Wasn't he depth guy? Third or was line, he
0: maybe? The second or third, maybe? But Chicago was also terrible. So that doesn't uh, mean anything. That's any where I was getting. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, a second line of Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, and Josh Anderson for a projected war of 0.5, offensive 1.9, defensive negative 1.3. A third line of newly signed Alex Newhook, Jake Evans, and Brendan Gallagher for a war of one. Offensive point 0.3, defensive point 0.4. Left wing, uh, Yurash Slavkovsky, center Sean Monahan, and right wing, Yoel Armia, make up the fourth line with a projected war of point 0.7. Uh, n- sorry, negative point 0.7 <laughs> with an offense of a negative point 0.5 and a defense of a negative point 0.2. Your defensive pairings are Mike Matheson and Savard with a war of point 0.5. Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley with a war of point 0.5. Arbor Jekha and uh, Jonathan Kovacevic with a war of 0.3, for a defensive war of 1.3, forward war of 3.6. Jake Allen gets you a 1.5. Sam Montembeau gets you a 0.6 with a projected points total of 72. And um, that's real bad, Ryan. Seven, 72 is far and away not good. That is that is my outlook for they're just ultimately sad Montreal Canadiens. I, I mean, yeah, and think. they're toward the cap, which is also hilarious. Yeah,
1: fuck. I, I'm trying to think of like pot ways to spin this positively. Like, does Slepkowski have his breakout year, being that first overall projected
0: play? on the fourth line,
1: having a breakout year? I'm trying to make it happy for Habs fans, which I don't really want it to be, but you got to hope that at least for a kid like that who is fun to watch play hockey. Don't get me wrong. Like maybe he does more than 10 points in 39 games cuz wasn't well, he hurt last year?
0: Yeah, and I want to I want to see how you and I can see it, it's right in front of my face, but a team that bad, like I read you off half the names and you go, who is that? Yeah. Has to use LTIR money to get under the cap. That's if they, who? if they didn't have any LTIR, they would be over $4 million over the cap. That is ridiculous. Price. Oh, well, yeah, Carey Price is still this as LTIR. Look. But... So they've got six million dollars of wiggle room with LTIR space, but like how how is your team that bad? But people are paid that much money. Like Nick Suzuki, 7.875 million, Brendan Gallagher, six and a half, Josh Anderson, five and a half, Matheson four point (laughs) eight. Caulfield's injured seven point eight five. So I mean it's the team's bad. They're going to flounder again and be at the bottom of the league unless they all activate some superpowers at the same time. It's just it's it's I said we do a happy one. This one's happy to me.
1: New hook will be a fun one to watch. I think coming in like I think that was the the way they were able to bring him in and give him I want to call it a fresh start, but a clean slate to really try to set one off for them. I don't know. Gallagher makes too much money. Josh Anderson is a dick. Mike Hoffman can only shoot. I'm looking through cat friendly and just like trying to justify their existence. And it's, it's it's very difficult. Kirby doc. I mean, he's still 22 years old Yeah, on a very nice contract for the next three seasons. If you've got him, a new hook, a Slavkoski, those guys hitting it off this year. If you get Harvey Pinard to continue the streak that he went on when he got called up late in the season, last year, there's potential for them to be competitive. Will they be good? Is a different question.
0: I think that's that's their saving grace. Is the guys that they have are young. Like, Newhook is 21. Right yeah. now, he's got an EV offense of 19 and EV no, defense of uh, Okay, so then Jay Fresh is behind. But he's got an EV yeah. offense of 19 and EV defense of 44. So, the only thing saving is his finishing is over 50%. His goals per 60s over 50. And his A1s per 60 over 50. But... You hope that he develops and gets better. You hope that Cole Caulfield takes another step and gets better. It's so you're banking on young guys to do well, but I think they know they're not a playoff team. They know they're not even going to be close. But it's just they need to shed some money real quick here.
1: Yeah. yeah that's going to be interesting to watch. I'll put it that way. And I'm just going to laugh at my cousin, but it's going to watch it end up being one of those years where. Like when the Habs were good and they made it to the cup final. Granted, it was a shit season, shit show of a season for them to get there. And Detroit, is that the year that Detroit swept them?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it was.
1: Watch that happen this year, but reversed. That'd be our mug.
0: We're going to move on to another team that we love to hate. The Toronto Maple Leafs and all of their fans who can't shut up online uh, they have a, and this is I like this one. I actually like this projection because this is how you build a roster versus not build a roster. So the Maple Leafs top line of Tyler Bertuzzi, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner with a projected WAR of 9.7, an offense of nine, a defense of negative 0.1. Just to let you know, that line is carrying your entire team, the whole thing. Much. Your second line is Max Domi, John Tavares, William Nylander with a projected war of 2.1. A four offense and a negative 1.8 defense. Bad defensive line. Third line of Matthew Nye is David Kampf and Callie Arncrock with a projected war of 0.9. Offensive 0.3, defensive 0.2. A fourth line of Sam Lafferty, Dylan Gambrel, and Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves. Your team signed Ryan Reeves. A projected war of negative 2.4, an offensive negative 1.9, and a defensive negative 0.3 for a forward like, war of 10.3. Can,
1: can you help explain to me? No. How, how Ryan Reeves on this team is impactful? It's because not. If you're expecting him to go stand up for your star players, oh, does Lord. that mean you're going to be playing him
0: alongside Matthews and Marner? No, they just they hope he jumps the on the ice to, to punch people. But again, he's going to take dumb penalties and you have a projected PK of 0.7. I
1: mean, I feel like he's one that actually is smarter with his penalties as a whole and his hits, or he just doesn't get called for them. I'm not really sure. I don't know. Um, Let's see, how many penalty minutes did he have last year? He didn't have a lot of penalties
0: last season. So he does nothing? Literally, 43
1: penalty minutes in 73 games. So he literally does nothing? Hold on, let me go to NHL.com to see how many of those are
0: majors. So like eight fights? So if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs forward war of 10.3, there are one, two, three, four teams better than you in the division for a forward war. That is the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Ottawa fucking Senators, and the Red Wings have a better forward war than the entirety of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Really? Yeah. 10.3. So uh, their defense top pair, Morgan Riley, uh, TJ Brody with a war of 1.5. Jake McCabe, John Klingberg with a .7, a bad defensive second pair and a third pair of Giordano and Timothy Lilgren with a 2.2 for a defensive work of 4.4. Sam Sonov and uh, Wool are not helping your case. That's actually also one of the weaker pairs. That actually might be the weakest pair uh, for goalies behind maybe Buffalo because Devin Levi's not in the system. So uh, projected standing points for the Toronto Maple Leafs of 100. 100 points. Which, if they three points above the Red Wings
1: and 11 point drop from last season because they finished at 111. So, Reeves going back to him, he had seven major penalties, so seven fights, it would appear, and only four minors.
0: Okay, so that's going to help
1: you, but he also averaged nine minutes and 19 seconds a game. So, but he was averaging his penalties taken per 60. Point two six. So do they want him
0: to fight more? Is that what they want? Apparently they want to take more penalties. Sounds
1: like he drew. Yeah, he drew more penalties than he took last season because probably he laid a hit on somebody didn't get called for it. And then someone reacted to it.
0: Yeah, I just don't. I just don't know how throwing that on your fourth line to just have a line that is seems if this is the line like it's literally going to get caved every night. I mean. 6%
1: 6% of his time on ice was penalty minutes.
0: Uh, I'm going to say if you put, if you put a fourth <laughs> line of Christian Fisher, Robbie Fabry and Jonathan Beargren against Sam Lafferty, Dylan Gambrill, and Ryan Reeves, who's going to win that matchup?
1: Depends on the hits, but you would think Detroit's.
0: Yeah, because literally like you sign. I mean, really that
1: line would give fits to a lot of like middle six and t- some top
0: lines. You signed a plug, literally the biggest plug in the entire league. And you want to be like the center of the hockey universe and say you're so amazing and all of that. Like, grow up. It's not going to happen. Now, again, could be low. They could go to 105. They could drop to 95. I'm going to give it a five-point buffer. And it's even there. Even then, they're though, dropping to
1: 95. I think they're out of the playoffs.
0: Even if you give the Red Wings a five point buffer, they could come out ahead of Toronto. Like, it's, I just, Toronto, if they don't get their shit together, they're going to have a real bad time really quick. Because next and season, Schoenheim they're going to give, out of a job. They're gonna have to give Matthews, what, $14 million? They're going to try and keep Nylander. They still got Tavares. They're going to try and sign Bertuzzi. It's going to be a,
1: an impressive feat for a team that is currently still $2 million over the cap with
0: LTIR in place. So, I don't know what they're going to do. So, we had got two more teams left. Okay. We're, we're going to move to the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, who actually still projects decent, but there's a twist. So, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, Nikita Kutroff make up their top line at a 6.8 with an offensive 7.2 and a defensive negative 1.2. Bad defensive line. The second line of Brandon Hagel, Anthony Sorelli, Connor Sheary projected WAR 4.2, offense 3.2 and a defensive 0 a third line of Mikey Isomont, Nicholas Paul, Tanner Jeno, negative .2 projected war with a negative .3 offense and a .4 defense and a fourth line of Cole Kepke, Luke Glendenning, and Josh Archibald with a negative .4 I forgot LGD war. went there. Yeah, with a negative with an offensive negative .1 and a defensive .3. So their top two lines are mid to bad defensively. And their bottom two lines are mid to bad offensively, but they equal each other out, I guess, with a forward war of 10.5. I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say,
1: offensively, it's... That top line is amazing. It's carrying the
0: team mostly.
1: And I I forgot about Shiri, and I forgot about Glen Denning, but I like that second line of Sorelli, Shiri, and Hagel. Shiri's got a bit of a bite to him. Sorelli can do it all. Hagel, debatable. I, I, you would like to think, I would assume, as a Tampa fan, that Jeanneau is not on your third line and is on that second line, but especially for what you paid to get him. Um, I don't know. It, in a way, it's balanced because you have top, top two scoring lines, top two defensive lines, and you just go at it. You you hope that third line should be pretty solid with Nick Paul, Jeanneau, and Essiemont, however you say it.
0: Isomont, yeah, where they get kind but, of screwed is their defense. So their top defensive pair, Victor Hedman, which has and,
1: been their b- bread and butter for sure. years.
0: But top defensive pair is Victor Hedman and Nick Perbix with a projected war of 0.6 offensive 0.9 defense of negative 0.6. A second pair of Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak with a projected war of 1.7 offensive 0.9 defense of 0.6 their second defensive pairing is better than their first defensive pairing, projected-wise. Uh, third pairing of Calvin Dehan and Zach Bogosian with a negative 0.4 projected war, a zero offense, and a negative 0.2 defense for a defensive war of two. Vassie's a god. Uh, Jonas Johansson, I don't even know who that is. Uh, his projected war is a negative 0.2. Um, but Vassy makes up for it with a two point two for a projected standings points of behind the Red Wings with ninety four.
1: This is that Johansson's literal first year in North America.
0: So, I mean, this is are we going to see? And this brings up the question: Are we going to see the decline of the Tampa Bay Lightning?
1: I hate this game because of I'm making how you long play long it. We were with Boston. I what? don't
0: care. I'm making you play this game. I want to say yes, demise has
1: begun. But it's only because you look at those four lines before you look at the at the four lines of Tampa and you're like, fuck, any of them are going to hurt me. Now you look at these four lines and you can argue two, maybe two and a half, and the rest are like, okay. Now, defensively, they might hurt you. They're going to be some shut. That bottom six could very well be amazing for shutdown. And if that's what you're going to bank on, have at it. Because all you got to do is put Stan Coast point Kucherov out
0: there and boom, you're in a good spot. To me, looking at it and to see the Tampa Bay Lightning projected behind the Red Wings was a bit jarring. I think that's kind of yeah. what, what did it for me as I looked at it and I go, huh, that's kind of interesting. So it, I don't know what to do with it. It's kind of like a Ricky Bobby moment. I don't know what to do with my hands because even if you give it a five plus or minus buffer that would get them to 99 and or as low as 89. So it's, it could be the downfall of the Tampa Bay lightning. And that is it's, it'll be interesting to see because again, it's like the house Stevie built is slowly falling apart without him there.
1: Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's like, If they do get in, maybe it ends up being the wild card and they can rebound for a year and just survive through the tight cap to make something happen next season. Because when you look at them on cap friendly, they've got a lot on their defense to make up for. And cap hit wise, they're going to be roughly at 76 million. So if the cap goes up as is expected, they're only working with a little over roughly 11 million dollars in cap space which is going to help them tremendously but does it give you and and what's nice for them too is they lose 250 grand in a buried penalty they lose the retained cap 200 grand from Maroon and Brent Seabrook's 6875 6.875 million comes off their LTIR so offensively they're set they've got to figure out what to do with Stamkos though it's you got to hope right, that he's going to take a pay cut? If so, then you're in a good spot. Brandon Hagel's making 1-5. You got to think that might actually go up. If Stamkos maybe drops, then you're, you've are you got something to work with. But I'm not really sure where they go from here.
0: Yeah, it, the, again, another team to watch. So you're going to start watching teams like Boston and teams like Tampa and teams like Toronto and see if they start to slide a little bit. Toronto, mostly for money reasons, but the other ones because they're getting older. And guys are leaving or guys are retiring and their pipeline sucks because they've been good mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to refill it.
1: And hopefully they suck because that means the home opener will be fun because Detroit
0: will win. Yeah, let's hope for a win. Uh, we're going to look at the team I almost forgot in the Florida Panthers. So oh. we're going to look a top line and this one we'll do pretty quickly because it's it's a high point total. A top line. This of- is a balanced team. <laughs> Evan Rodriguez, Alexander Barkov, and Sam Reinhart for projected war of 6.1. Carter Verhage, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk for 7.4. E2, Luce Dereinen, Anton Lundell, and Gregory Denisenko for a 2.2. Ryan Lomberg, Steven Lorenz, and Nick Cousins for a 0.9 with a forward war of 16.7. That is a dominant forward group. Absolutely yeah. dominant. Uh D-Pairs, yeah. Gustav Forsling, and Josh Mahura for a war of 0.5. Uh OEL for some reason. And Dmitry Kulikov for a negative 0.5. So that just offsets your top pair. And Nico Mikula and Mike Riley for a 0.3 for a defensive war of 0.4. Bob still projects at a 1.2. Stolarz at a 0.8 for a goalie war of 1.9 for a projected standing points of 1.04. And this hinges on you just offensively demolishing every team you go up against. Because your defense is super weak. It is the weakest defense in the entire division, and you got to hope that Kachuk stays healthy all season and your other high scorers like Verhage stay healthy all season or else your team will fall apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Their offense carried them to no end over Toronto. We But it, because they were able to maintain such good pressure and not have to... Like, when they had to hold on to the lead late Toronto. That's where they shined because like this defense has changed a bit from last season. Yeah. Hopefully they're better. You got to hope as a fan and their their staff, but they held on. Thanks to Bob. Goaltending I think is what literally saved them in the playoffs, at least to getting through Toronto. Well, really the whole playoffs, but Toronto in particular, because that was just that the upset of the century, if you want to call it that. So if they're going to be anything, if they're scoring goals, you can't really be too upset about it. Just make sure you score more than the other team. Weird how that works out, right? Hockey. crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's and again, though, it's uh, it hinges on staying healthy. And if you don't stay healthy, your team is going to get caved and it is not Mm going to be fun. And the last projection of the night is someone who uh, we are constantly now compared to, who they say were farther ahead in the rebuild than us. And um, looking at their roster, I think it's weighed down by a few players. So, uh, mm-hmm. t- Buffalo Sabres top line of Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck with a projected war of six, an offense of 6.6, 6, but a terrible defense of negative 1.5. Second line of JJ Paterka, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat with a projected war of 1.8, an offense of 2.3, a defense of negative 0.8. A third line of Jordan Greenway, Peyton Krebs, and Victor Olofsson, with a projected war of negative 1.3, a negative 0.6 offense, and negative 0.5 defense. A fourth line of Zemgus Girgensons, Tyson Jost and Kyle Ocposo, who apparently still plays hockey, with a projected war of 0.8, offensive negative of 0.4, defense of 0.8, for a forward war of 7.2 Which I believe 7.2 is only above the Montreal Canadiens. Not good. So their forward group is literally being carried by Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins and sometimes Alex Tuck. That's basically what it's going to be.
1: Well, you got to think Jeff Skinner is going to be helping out that a little bit. How old
0: is Jeff Skinner now? 31. Okay. So he's reached. He just turned 31 back in May. He's reaching the could his game start going down age. I I still like this
1: offensive group. Thompson popping off last year was fantastic. I've always loved Dylan Cousins. Uh, Alex Tuck has always I think been a, a force, if you will. I guess that's one way to put it. I loved watching him in Vegas. The way he was able to just come in from the, the after the expansion and dominate. Then he got isn't he his home? He's hometown boy in Buffalo, right? The eyes said it all with that question. Alex Tuck is from Syracuse, New York. Yep. Close enough. I think I don't know. I, I think they're they're a fun team to watch. I like JJ Paterka, Peyton Krebs. Like they've got some young players that are there's their skill there. And the fact they picked up Jordan Greenway, which can turn into hopefully a reclamation project, because I remember watching him coming out and coming into Minnesota from the USA team. And that was a player that I was hoping Detroit would have landed at the time. In hindsight, I'm kind of glad that they didn't. But if he can have a resurgence on this young, young roster there, they could be good. 81 points possible. 80 to 90, I think, is a fair range for this team.
0: I haven't even gotten to the projected points, Ryan. Sorry. Sorry. I got ahead of myself. My defense. Yeah, I jumped in. Whatever. It's the last one. Yeah, I agree. I think they're they're going to depend a lot on the younger guys too to develop mm-hmm. and to take them to that next level because they're they're trying to bring prospects and they're trying to bring younger guys in and have them just move forward like any team is going to. But for them, it might be a little harder because their forward group as a whole is pretty bad defensively. But their defense, yeah. if you look at it, top pair of Matthias Samuelson, Rasmus Dahlin for a projected WAR of one point seven, Owen Power and Connor Clifton at a one point five. Henry Yokiharu and Eric Johnson at a negative 0.3 for a defensive war of 2.9. So their defense is actually better than about half of the half of the division. So that is where they're going to kind of make up some ground is they won't be scored on as much. And if their offense can click, then they don't have to worry about it too much uh, for their goaltending. Uka is a 0.2 and Devin Levi is not even in the system. And I think this is Buffalo's thing is that if Devin Levi can't be a starter, like if he comes in and is just, and he hasn't yet, if he comes in and he just falls flat or has a bad first year, that could be a disaster for the Buffalo Sabres.
1: What do they show with Eric Comrie as in in goal? Because right now, Lucan and
0: Comrie are on
1: cap friendly as their starters.
0: Is Comrie still there?
1: Yeah, he's 28 years old. Signed for this year at 1.8 mil.
0: Oh, let me see if I put Comrie in. Yeah, uh, that makes it as bad as not putting anyone in. <laughs> it's literally. <laughs> it's uh. It does not change their total points. It brings their goalie war to a point seven. Um, which shows up. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it, it doesn't change their points still uh, their point total, their standings total, because yeah, right now, Eric Comrie's projected war is a point five, which is better than a non system Levi at zero, <laughs> but it's not good enough to win you more games. So the Buffalo Sabres have a projected standings points of 81. And I think it's that purely because of the defensive shortcomings of their forwards that's really going to bite them in the ass if their goalies fall flat.
1: I can see it. I mean, they've got two of the top young defensemen in hockey right now, with Dallin in power. So, and, and really you look at Yokihara, he's serviceable. Eric Johnson, its he's your old crusty vet of the group. That'll actually probably be huge, I think, for Dalin and power to be with Eric Johnson. I think that's that was a a sneaky good pickup for a one year deal. But they're gonna be kind of like a Florida where if they're not outscoring you, hold on. And if they're not getting depth help, then they're definitely they're gonna be in trouble.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why they buffed that defense so much or they're gonna rely because they're gonna rely on it. Is what's going to happen. They're going to rely on that defense to overcome the forwards defensive shortcomings.
1: I mean, they had six guys that scored over 50 points last season, though. Yeah. And you hope they can do it again. But I mean, finishing with 91 points. So.
0: Yeah. To drop 10 might be a bit dramatic. But again, if you give it a five point leeway in either direction, if you say they go up to an if they go to an 86 they're dropping a few because their goalie situation is in flux, because their yeah. forward group lacks defense. You get another year of Kyle Ocposo and Zemgus Girgensons who are not getting younger.
1: I mean, they, they've got their top 10 scorers all returned this season.
0: And that's fine. And, and if they do very well, great. They do very well. But I'm just giving you what the, what the numbers put in is what the numbers put out, and it's what the players sure. have done. So, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna end with this tonight. The standings based on wa- Waster the Woster War projections. Wow, the wastus. The standings based on the roster war projections uh, would be Boston, Florida, Toronto, Detroit, Tampa, Ottawa, Buffalo, Montreal. Um, I you have like to do it. a side by side of the
1: rest of the divisions to see, or at least the other Atlantic or the Metro division to see where Detroit would fall if they're actually based on projections a wild card team or not.
0: I would think fourth in the Atlantic, which is generally the strongest division, should get you a wild card spot. Well, um, fourth
1: in the Atlantic last year was Florida with 92 yeah. points and that got them in. Yeah. And th- and honestly, I'm not slouching on the metro cuz you're talking about Carolina, New Jersey, New York all had over 107 points last year.
0: Yeah, I think that it'll it'll it should be tighter than it was last year for our division. I don't think it's going to be three runaways and then everyone else drops off. But well,
1: I, it, I think last year was definitely tighter. I mean, you, other than Boston, just Austin, Toronto were the only 200 plus point teams in the Atlantic. And you had Tampa at 98, four to 92, Buffalo, 91, and then Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal. I mean,
0: a 98 to 92 is a pretty
1: decent gap still.
0: Oh well, yeah. I think though that in, and, and to wrap it up, we're positioned to to have a really good team. That's what it is, good. and it's and it's a competitive, not just
1: like a more competitive team than what we're used to seeing.
0: And it's not just flashy names, because you look at what the teams with flashy names are doing; they're losing games. They're they're not making it past the second round of the playoffs. They're, mm-hmm. I'm surprised Toronto didn't raise a banner for making it out of the first round, but <laughs> I think we're putting ourselves in a position. Iserman, like we had mentioned the past five episodes has built a deeper team that can be more competitive with people who mm-hmm. have won before with guys who are younger, who are coming off great years that they think can keep going. I think we're in a position to, I don't think fourth in the division is unattainable. I don't think it's unattainable. Do I think it's like a stretch goal? Absolutely. Would I be happy with fifth in the division? Yes. And I think fifth, 100% is attainable. Absolutely. So, Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off tonight because I like where this puts us.
1: I'm just going to continue your point, I think, a little bit because if you're talking about fifth in the division for where Detroit's been the last six, seven years, huge. Because the likelihood of the teams you're behind is going to be Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston. That means you're jumping Buffalo and Ottawa which they're they're not bad teams like the way that things have shaken out with the salary cap there's a lot of balance amongst each division now you could argue that maybe in the west in comparison but the atlantic and metro divisions are tough okay don't count montreal and columbus but i digress um So, if you can be knocking on the door with Florida, because like I said, 92 points got them in the playoffs. If you're Detroit, if you're looking at 90 90 to 95 points this season, you're right there. Buffalo just missed at 91 points. It's doable. It literally came down to an overtime loss that put Florida ahead in points. Yep. So, I don't know. I, there there's a lot to look forward to the way this is projecting out, I think feels better than what we were looking at last year. I was trying to find last year's, but I couldn't find it. Um, And I think our best case scenario was what, like 95 to a hundred again, something like that last season. No, it was 90. You remember what it was? No, I don't remember. Anyways, if we're hitting 90 points, I, I consider this season a win. If that means that we're also a wildcard team, let's go because you know what, I've got a half season ticket plan. And that puts me front of the line to get some tickets. Amazing. But on that note, already. Oh, yeah. And speaking of tickets, they did just go the presale started today. And I think they officially go on sale as a Friday, correct? Yeah, whatever's left at 10am. So and they've already pretty much everything's already sold out. It's all resale at this point. But anyways, already around 33.
0: Nice. And you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Again, if you haven't subbed to our YouTube, uh, all the charts will be there during this episode. You'll be, go, uh, be able to look at all of what we are looking at and judge for exciting. yourself. Yeah, it's really cool. I like the new layout that I made. So uh, we also like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on Twitter for uh, hosting us and spreading our podcast around. Also to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use the promo code grindline on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12%. If you use that same promo code on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10%. You can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the grindline and our website, grindlinepodcast.com, is all updated and everything with the new roster. So you can check out stuff there too as well. But that is going Ooh. to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy hockey town.